We are um, talking about uh, the miracles of Jesus, and we've dealt with a number of them. We've seen everything from the, water, the first miracle, which was water into wine, to transform something, to completely change it. And we've seen Jesus raise the dead. We've seen Jesus um, heal. We've seen him um, cast out demons. We've seen a, a number of things that that help us. Last week we talked about the the uh, widow of Nain, and, and we talked about when God raising her son, and just how God's timing is perfect, and God has a a way of uh, of making things work, and, and and His timing is in every aspect of it. Um, this morning we're going to look at a very familiar story. It's the story. It's the miracle of Jesus calming the seas um, when the storm comes up. And uh, a couple of things to bring out before we get into it. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the story is um, unique and marked because Mark only mentions two miracles of nature. And this is one of them. So that kind of stands out. And also in the book of Mark, um, 12 times they refer to Jesus as teacher. And this, in this story is the first time that they do that. So... It becomes significant in the idea of it's the first time that it's mentioned. Um, there are some interesting, some commentators make some parallels between the story of Jesus in a boat and Jonah. Um, and, and the Bible in the New Testament does have some links to Jesus and Jonah. Um, it, it talks about Jonah was in the, the belly of the fish for three days and Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Um, and this story, there's some interesting parallels. They're in a boat, a storm comes up, and the story of Jonah, Jonah's the one sleeping. Everybody else is all panicky. In this story, Jesus is the one sleeping. And everybody's all panicky. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting because you see one character who's running from God who's able to sleep in the storm. And then you see Jesus who has the ability to calm the storm asleep in the storm. So we'll, um, we'll talk about some lessons and, and, and then try to wrap some things up and, and, and some things that will apply to us. So Mark chapter 4 is where we find the story. Um, and with that in mind, here's what it says. This is that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And we'll talk about that in a second. There were also other boats um, along uh, with him. Uh, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Uh, now, don't get the idea of, of like, couch cushion, all right? This is a cushion on a boat back in first century, so it was something wrapped probably in leather, and it was not really super soft. It was just softer than wood, uh, is the concept. But it says he was a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So that's the story. Let's bring it down and kind of walk through it um, passage by, or section by section. It says, the day, that, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. When you read... The other accounts, what you find out is Jesus has spent the whole day teaching. He had done some miracles. Jesus was exhausted. He was physically wiped out. And had he gone to the other side and walked around the shore, the people would have just followed him. So it was kind of like, you know what, if we can get to the other side, if we go by a boat, 
maybe I'll get a little bit of a breather here. And um, so Jesus, it says that he gets in the boat, and notice what, what it says. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, and notice that phrase, just as he was. Does that seem odd to you? Okay, here's why. These were fishermen. These were guys who had spent a lot of time on the lake. Um, in those boats, they were small boats, but it, it was kind of like a sailing boat. You know, they had, they had the big sails and, and, and things like that, or, or their fishing boats, and, and they may have been oars and rowed and stuff like that. But, but the idea was this concept of the only people that traditionally were in the boat were people who were boat people. Um, one of the things that I love to do, it's, it was on my bucket list, it's off of my bucket list, but it's also on my, if I ever get to do it again, bucket list, I want to do it. And that's um, whitewater rafting. I love whitewater rafting. I've been on two occasions, um, and we do it with the, the oars and the paddles, not the one guy. I mean, we get six people in a boat, one guy in the back who's the captain, and he tells us what to do, and you do the boat. And one of the things that they teach you is, when you're whitewater rafting is this. That no matter what, you always hold on to your oar. If you're going down a whitewater rapids and, you're, and you get bounced out of the boat, and I've been bounced out of the boat, okay, it happened. Um, it happens. Um, and you get bounced out of the boat and you're starting to go down the rapids, you never let go of your oar no matter what. In fact, the guy tells you, if somebody gets out of the boat, gets knocked out of the boat, don't pull them in unless they have an oar. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding. That's what they teach, teach you. You've got a life vest on. They just said, don't pull them in unless they have an oar. And here's why. To pull them into the boat without an oar, they're dead weight. They can contribute nothing to going down the rapids. They are just a passenger. You only pull in passengers who can help you. And so the concept was, so the first time I got bounced out of the raft, okay, um, I am, I actually, Pat Luce for years had a picture in his office of this because there happened to be a camera at that corner. Um, I got bounced out. I fell out. Pat grabbed a hold of me and, and pulled me back in. But the entire time, I did not let go of my oar. I had my oar. So I was of value when I came back in. And Pat bragged on that for years. And then the next time we went, Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. Guess who got bounced out? Um, so he was the guy that went out the next time. Uh, and he kept on his horse, so we brought it back in. But the idea was, you, you, you were not of benefit if you weren't going to hold on to your oar and be a contributor to going down the river. It was the same concept there. To bring somebody into your boat who didn't know how to run lines and didn't know how to bring sails up and down, who couldn't paddle and stuff like that, they, they were like dead weight. So it's like Jesus says, look, let's go to the other side. And they look at him and they say, okay, we'll take him just as he was. Wasn't a boat guy, but we'll put him in anyway. And they put him in. And of course, how does he contribute? He goes to sleep, which is incredible because you see the humanity of Jesus here. When we talk about Jesus as the God-man, God wrapping himself in flesh, for the first time, God gets tired. And has to sleep. Why? Because he's wrapped himself in human flesh and he's exposed himself to the elements of, of humanity. And so now Jesus is absolutely exhausted and he's fallen asleep. And it says, notice this, there were other boats. So there's other boats that are trying to follow. 
because Jesus is, that's where Jesus is. And so a storm comes up. And it says, um, it says a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. What you need to understand is that the Sea of Galilee, where they were, sits 600 feet below sea level. Up, up to the north a little bit from there is uh, one of the mountains, uh, Mount, um, I gotta remember, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is 9,200 feet high. So think about this for a minute. Here's what you have. Um, you have this Sea of Galilee, which is, uh, it's like 12 miles by 8 miles, I think, 12 by 8, yeah. Um, yeah, 12 miles long, 8 miles wide. 600 feet below sea level. You have a mountain here, 9,200 feet. So what happens is you have the cold air from the mountain that comes down and hits the hot air. So it was not uncommon, and, if, and the Sea of Galilee is kind of like in a bowl. Okay, it, it, there, there's, there's not mountains, but there's big hills on all sides. The mountain's a little way away, but you can see it from there. So what happens is, as, as th- that cold air comes down, hits that hot air in that little pocket thing, you could, you could create violent storms very quickly. So it's one of those things that you could be out on a calm day, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a storm, there's a squall. Uh, some parts of the lake are fairly shallow, so you get that kind of wind and that kind of stuff turning up, it could turn into a storm very, very quickly. <clears throat> These guys were seasoned fishermen. No big deal to them. They had fished this sea a lot. They had been in this lake a ton. Storms were part of being in this lake. They knew that. So when you start reading that they are scared, this is a big deal. Um, the different gospel accounts say it this way. Mark and Luke call it a whirlwind. Matthew calls it a great shaking or a sea quake. In other words, Matthew describes it really as, as like everything is just churning and everything else. And these guys become literally scared because this is overwhelming to them. And notice, where's Jesus? He's asleep. Jesus is sleeping through the whole thing. Now, that tells me something about his exhaustion level. It also tells me something about his confidence in that he's not worried about the circumstances that he's in. And notice what happens. It says he's sleeping on a cushion. Jesus does not wake because of the storm. Jesus gets awake because of the disciples. And it says, and the disciples wake him up and say, what? Don't you care about us? Don't you care about what we're going through? Don't you know there's a storm right now? Don't you know our life has turned upside down? Don't you know that this is all overwhelming? Don't you have any idea what we're going through? We can't bail water out of this thing fast enough. This boat is going down. Don't you care about us? And now notice what it says. He gets up. And depending on which, which account you read, one account gives us the idea that he rebukes the disciples, then he rebukes the wind and the seas, and then he, re, then he talks to the disciples again. Others skip the first one. So th- I, think, I think when you put it all together, here's what happened. Jesus is going to say something to the disciples. And then he's going to talk to the sea and the wind, and then he's going to talk back to the disciples again. But here's what's significant here. He gets up, and he rebukes the wind. And notice this, because this is unique about this, this miracle. And then he speaks to the waves. Now why? 
Why would Jesus speak to both? Because this shows you the, this shows you the power of God. If Jesus had just spoken to the wind, when the wind stops, if you've been on a lake, if you've been around an ocean, when the wind stops, the waves keep going until they die down. But Jesus looks at the wind, tells it to stop, and then tells the waves, be quiet, be calm, die down, it's all over. So from a moment, in a moment, it goes from chaos to calm. Absolute calm. Perfect peace. A perfect day on the lake. When I, when I, when I water skied, it was, we, we, the, it, I, have, I have a picture in my mind of what these are like. Um, when you water ski, one of the things that you look for is what we call um, glass, when the water's like glass. And there are times that you can get out onto a lake when there's not a lot of boats and stuff like that. And if you've ever water skied this, you know what I'm talking about. You look across, there's not a ripple to be found. And it looks like a sheet of glass. And there is no more fun experience than getting into that and spraying water and cutting and doing all that fun stuff and, and making all that glass bumpy. And Anyway, um, it, 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 it's one of those kind of things. They go from this craziness to this absolute calm. And notice what happened. Then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? And here's the key. Do you still have no faith? After everything you've heard me teach, after all these miracles you've watched me do, do you still really not get it? You still really not get it? I mean, really. Guys, what more can I do? What more can I do? And notice what their response is. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Um, and that's, that's where the story ends. It ends with them sitting there going, wow, this guy's incredible. Now, not too far later, they're going to recognize who he is and they're going to acknowledge him as the Son of God. But at this point, they're still putting it together. At this point, they've seen a lot of stuff, but it hasn't clicked in their heads yet that this is, this is Jesus, this is God. And he has that kind of power. So that's the story. Um, a couple of takeaways, and I think some, some, some lessons for us. Um, first lesson, storms are a normal part of life. They haven't done anything wrong. Storms are just a normal part of life. In this particular story, Jesus was allowing the storm to test their faith. It didn't take God by surprise. There are some people who believe that when you become a Christian, that all of a sudden there are no storms. It's just the opposite. Storms are a normal part of everybody's life. And, and, and we have to remember that it's, you know, some of you were brought up in a home where when you did wrong, I mean, mom or dad were like all over you and, 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 and making you miserable and all kind of, and, and you kind of carry that to God. So you think that, that the storms are like God getting all angry and mad and ruining your life. The Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. That's not the way God normally operates. 
Normally, when you and I mess up, God's goodness is there to say, hey, look, you don't need to be doing that. I love you. You know better than that. And God wants us to get in line with what he, what he has planned for us. Storms are a normal part of life. And some of you may be going through a storm right now and say, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. Storms are a normal part of life. Storms are, they, they come to everyone, Christians and non-Christians. The difference is, as a Christian, God can use a storm to bring incredible things out of my life. God can strengthen my faith. He can deepen my faith. through. The difference for a storm in a Christian and a non-Christian is the idea that storms can bring me closer to God. They can bring me closer to, to other believers. Storms help me to learn to depend on other people, to, to walk with me through the storms. Storms develop relationships with Christian brothers and sisters. The world doesn't get to experience any of that. But see, storms are a normal part of life. These guys were fishermen. They had been on the sea often. Storms were normal on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't something that it was like, oh, no, what did we do wrong? It's a storm. No, it just so happened to storm. Now, this was a big storm. This was a storm bigger than they had normally seen. They didn't know what they were going to do. But storms are a normal part of life. I think a second principle for this story is this idea that storms are always temporary. Remember that. Storms are always temporary. And sometimes I think you and I, we forget that. We forget the idea that, you know what, these... these a storm is coming in my life, and, it, and it's like, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's never going to end. But no, 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 it's temporary. Don't, don't forget that. You go, no, you don't understand. This is something I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life. This is, where, this is where your focus is so important. Because you see, what the guys were focused on was they were focused on that storm that had come up, and they saw that as the end. And Jesus is asleep because in the realm of God, he knows the storm is just a part of deepening their faith. Helping them to understand where their faith is and that they don't have faith like they need to have faith yet. And they don't get all that. So their focus is, is, is all over the place. It's on the storm and the waves and, and Jesus is asleep. I mean, think about this for a minute. Storms are crashing in. Waves are coming over the bow. They're bailing the thing out as fast as they are. They're trying to get sails down as quick as they can. They got guys pulling out oars, trying to get this thing moved on. And at some point, they stop and they go, what's he doing sleeping back here? And they stop all of their activity to go back and confront him because he's asleep. And they're so focused on it because they don't understand in going through it that this is, this is a temporary thing. And some of you are like, no, no, PJ, you don't understand. This is, this is something I've got to deal with the rest of my life. The storm that I'm in right now has no end. We just sang a song, we'll understand it better by and by. So let, let, let me help you here, okay? And again, I'm going to, you know, sometimes you've got to make silly illustrations to make a point, but so be it. Um, you know, I love my wife. I can't imagine life without her, okay? I can't. But let's say that tomorrow she passes away and she dies and now I am alone. And let's say, for the sake of illustration, that I live to be 110. 
which means that I'm going to spend the re- over half of my life without her in that case. And you go, well, that means that your storm is going to last like 50 some odd years. It's going to last for the rest of your life. And that's a really long storm for somebody to go through. This is where your focus becomes so, so important. Let me explain it to you this way. Let's say, and you've heard me use this illustration before, but I want to put it in perspective. Let's, I know time has no beginning and no end, but for the sake of illustration, that edge of that wall is the beginning of time. The edge of that wall is the end of time. For the sake of illustration. So let's put the cross right here. Because again, we got a lot. Of, we're talking about eternity here, so as a concept. So let's let this. Re- oh no, let's do this. Here, there's a nail. Let's let the nail represent the cross. Okay. So let's go fast forward to 2014, which is me right here, and my entire existence, 110 years of life, is right there. 110 years of life is represented in that dot because I'm going to live to be 110. Over half of my life is spent without my wife in that storm. In the big picture, in the big picture, storms are temporary. And the crazy thing is this. The crazy thing is that I have the opportunity in this short 110 years to impact the rest of life for hundreds and thousands and millions of years. You see, we sit here today and we read stories about a guy somewhere back in here called Jeremiah or Job who endured all kinds of things in storms. And we grab onto their faith because we there learned about them back here. Why? Because their storm was temporary. And even though as you look at this dot in this life, and go, yeah, but half of my life or the rest of my life is spent without the person, I get that. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not minimizing your storm at all. But I'm saying in the big picture, you're like the disciples in the boat looking at the waves, not realizing there is so much more past that. And what you're going through is so, has so much more past that when you and I live like we're supposed to here through those storms. And we have opportunity to help other people who are going through those same kind of storms. And I would be able to come alongside of other guys who lose their wives and say, look, I get you. I get you. I understand. Here's what got me through it. Here's what's getting me through it. And impact that life and that life, and it just rolls all the way down the line. Storms are temporary. Don't forget that. Because some of you, and some of you are in a storm right now, that, that it, may, it may carry out throughout the rest of your life. And some of you are in a storm that, you know what, here's the bottom line. It's going to pass. Um, 
one of the things Josh learned this week, uh, or last eight weeks, I'm hoping. And, you know, again, I believe God, I believe God orchestrates so much. But the guy who was in charge of their flight of 16 guys is super laid back. Okay, he was unlike any of the other instructors that were there. And if you know anything about Josh, Josh tends to be a little OCD. And Josh tends to worry about a lot of things that really aren't going to make any difference. And so for eight weeks, Josh heard from his instructor, you'll be fine. Okay? You'll be fine. And so when Josh would come, what about the instructor, the guy, and I, I, he would look at him and go, you'll be fine. And the whole flight, that's all. They, in fact, they, when, they, when they graduated, that's what they talked about. They said, and they ended by saying, and don't forget, he ended by looking at the guys at graduation, the, his flight, and he said, and don't remember, guys, you'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine. Constantly reminding them, you know what, it'll be okay. This isn't the end of the world. It'll be okay. And I can't say it enough that the lesson for a storm is, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And Jesus wakes up out of a sleep and looks at these guys and he's like, it'll be okay. But he's broken hearted because he looks at these guys and he, 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 this phrase right here, do you still have no faith? Here's what he's saying. Do you guys still not understand my power? You guys have watched me raise the dead. You guys have watched me heal lepers. You have watched me cast out demons. You have watched me do all of this stuff. But here's the thing. You never connected what I did to what I can do for you. You never made that connection. You never understood that even though it's a storm, I'm in the middle of it too with you. But I'm not focused on the storm because I'm able to sleep. I'm able to put my head in a pillow and just know that, you know what, no storm's going to take my life. It's okay. It's going to be all right. It's not a big problem. And if the disciples were smart, had they really learned to understand that Jesus had that kind of power and Jesus was in their corner, they wouldn't have woken him up and confronted him and said, don't you care about us? Instead, what they would have done is they would have gone to the back of the boat and sat next to him and realized, he's not worried about it, so I'm not going to be. If they were really confident, they would have gone down and slept next to him. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand that the power that he had, because when he looks at it, and I love this, he looks at the wind and he says, stop. He looks at the waves that are going like this and says, okay, be still. Really, guys? You still don't understand? You still don't trust me? You still don't understand my power? You still don't understand and have faith and confidence in me that it'll be okay? And what I would say to you is this. How many times in your life have you watched God's power do something in your life? How many times have you watched God's power in, 
in, in taking a bad situation and turning it into a good thing? How many times have you watched God's power in, 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 in saving you from something? in helping you from making a bad decision. How many times have you prayed for somebody and watched God come alongside and heal or work or do something incredible? How many times have you seen the hand of God in your life or in the life of others doing all kinds of things, and yet we stand back and we sit there and something happens, and the first thing we say, and I know it's human nature, the first thing we say is, God, don't you care about me? God, why did you do this to me? Why, did you, why is this happening, God? Whereas when we become people of faith, we understand that it's a storm. We understand that it's temporary. And we understand that through it, I can draw myself close to Jesus. And he can walk with me through the storm. And that through that storm, I can learn whatever it is he needs me to learn. And my challenge to you is this. Storms are coming, guys. You're not going to escape them. None of us will. But we need to keep our focus right. It's temporary. And God can take that little dot and whatever long that storm is, and he can impact the world through it. He can impact our families through it. He can impact our community, our neighbors, our coworkers. He can do all kinds of things with it. But our focus has to be on faith and confidence in him that it will be okay. We have to understand his power is the same power that he allows me to have, to have that kind of confidence that in the storm, I don't have to worry. In the storm, I don't, I, I don't, have, to, I, I don't have to lose my faith. In the storm, I don't have to focus on everything that's going around, although that is so easy to do. But I can simply go to the back of the boat and sit down next to Jesus and say, you know what? I don't know how we're going to get out of this. But you seem to be okay with it. So you've got to give me that kind of confidence. You've got to help me because I can't do it on my own. And then our faith grows deep and strong, and it has the impact to other people around us. So my prayer this week is for each of us. Very simply this. And we're challenged to realize that God's in control. And we need to respond in faith, not fear. And to have confidence and trust in Him and never underestimate his power in our lives. He wants us to do well through the storms. He wants us to turn to him and not trust ourselves. He wants us to develop our faith, not walk in fear. And he wants us to understand that he can bring calm into a world of chaos. But we have to trust him. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, there's so many things in life that take us by surprise there's so many things that we go through that seem overwhelming and Lord we're like the disciples we it's really hard not to focus on all the circumstances and the stuff but Lord we just need insight to be able to step back to be able to understand that you do care that you are there and that Lord you want to use it to strengthen us not to hurt us not for us to become discouraged and and quit but rather lord to become encouraged and and stronger and lord you want to use our circumstances and our storms to be able to help others lord who go through storms so use us this week lord some of us have been through some tough things and lord may we be willing to share some of those with those who uh, 
are struggling as well. And when it's all said and done and we come to the end of this week, may we be able to say that we have trusted you, that we are with you, and that we are confident, Lord, in your power and your ability to work out our situation for your honor and your glory. We'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise these things we ask in your name. Amen.